Hello and welcome to Take 411, a podcast powered by Another Chance to Bridge the Gap. This is a place where you can find latest news, information in relation to prison and anything happening in the community. Buckle in. Good morning, beautiful people. This is Vanessa with the podcast, Take 411. On today's episode, we will focus on villains. No, not the bad guys in movies or the fictional characters you read about in books. No, 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 no. The villains in our lives. More specifically, the villainization of people who have been accused or convicted of crimes. Are you truly innocent until proven guilty? Or are you judging people like they are guilty without merit? Join us and jump in on the conversation for all the details. All right, let's jump in. Yeah, so today we will be speaking about villains, and like I mentioned, more specifically, the villainization of convicts, of ex-prisoners, of current prisoners. So I got motivated to choose this topic from a conversation that we had during last week's topic. So last week we talked about women, women in prison, um, mothers specifically, and, you know, we have sisters and other family members in prison. But we had a guest on there who had had both parents in prison for a while. And it started to get me thinking on these titles that these people in our lives have. You know, for example, the friend who our guest, who was on the podcast last week, her parents were her mother and her father, who were loving adults who cared for her, but who was also seen in society as villains, as ex-convicts, as criminalized people. How do we balance these terms? You know, like, who, who is the bill- biggest villain in your life? Is it someone that's done something wrong to you? Is it someone that does something wrong to the community you're in. We've all been dealing with um, (laughs) the latest news on the presidential nomination. So I'm sure everyone can relate to kind of villainizing someone or having someone in their lives villainized during these times. And that's what really motivated me. You know, who, who are these people that are the bad guys in our lives? And why are they labeled that? Is it because some jury of their peers labeled in that? Or is it because we ourselves believe it? And why do we believe that? Anyways, uh, Alexis, do you have someone in your life who you would say is the biggest villain in your life? Or are you like most of us during these times where we're kind of seeing the current state of affairs and finding these villains to be um, in our government section? 
In all honesty, like everyone else in the country, I do have Mm -hmm. my eye on the election. No, I do not really view any one particular person as a villain because let's just be honest. Every person is both good and bad. No one person can be 100% bad and no person can be 100% good because um, because it's a matter of opinion, yes? Because we can be talking about one person and you, Vanessa, can say, oh, well, I think this person is a villain. But if but my point of view might be something different. So whether someone is a villain or not technically is a matter of opinion. Unless like, you know, you know the person personally and you've seen them do something. So for me, do I really have a villain in my life? Well, not really because I'm old enough now where I will distance myself from someone if they are not healthy for me to be around. So, no, no current villains, just the typical dramatic people, if you want to call it that. Cool. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. um, That's a sentiment that I share as well. A lot of times that we just – we just choose one or the other. We don't understand dualism. We don't understand that, yeah, sometimes people are going to not be great, and sometimes other people or those same people will be wonderful. Um, it's just, like you said, a matter of opinion. But sometimes that matter of opinion can cause a huge, huge change in someone's life. So recently... Uh, if you guys have been into Hollywood news, there's been um, the the convictions for parents who got their, you know, those celebrity parents who got their kids into these elite schools by falsifying school records and all their stuff. Um, they got their convictions. And their convictions were a, a bit um, lenient. I guess, if, you know, you want to put a term to it. Uh, I know, for example, Lori Laughlin, which which was like a main character in Full House, she got her daughter into a California State University, and she paid like half a million dollars to get her into that school under like these false premises. So she obviously was found out and was convicted, and her and her husband are having to do five months in prison each and having to pay, like, I don't know, $120,000 or something like that. So in that opinion, you know, someone's opinion of did she do something wrong? Yeah, she did something wrong, but maybe she shouldn't have, you know, gotten uh, – maybe her crime was just not um, that severe, so they kind of gave her – a little bit of a break, right? When, when it comes down to it. So, but may I? Like, okay. but, may, but may I say something? Yeah, please, 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 please go ahead. See, like, well, I understand that you say that her crime is not that serious and stuff like that. But think about it this way. Let's play a little bit of devil's advocate, right? She only got 
five months in prison and her husband got the scene and they have to pay $120,000. To them, that's mm-hmm. nothing because she makes mm-hmm. millions off of reruns of Full House and Fuller House. Mm-hmm. But she's a celebrity. So let's mm-hmm. just say if a normal person, if a normal citizen, not a celebrity status, did the same thing, did the same thing where they bribed the schools to allow their children in, if they are caught, they definitely wouldn't have received that five-month sentence to prison, nor would they receive a fine of $120,000. I can. I bet you it will be more severe than that, and it's not that unheard of that parents do. How do I put this this way? Contribute money towards school to get their children in or keep their children in if their children do something wrong. Think about the private school systems. You've heard of. I wouldn't say that they're bribing. It's under contribute uh, contributions, right? Like. Mm-hmm. your last name happens to be a specific last name and your mm-hmm. parents are an other mother at that school and they become really big and they donate a lot of money to that school. And let's say that your record is not as prestigious as somebody else who's coming in who does not share a famous last name or a big enough mm-hmm. last name. But your parents can contribute money towards the school to help encourage that school accept you. But that's common, right? Or it used mm-hmm. to be common. It just does not make the news, right? The only reason why this story made the news is because the celebrities. But even if it is considered wrong, right, even if it's flat out wrong, you falsified records and stuff like that, if an average person did that, they will get a much more heavier sentence than a celebrity would. So it is a known fact and that's definitely what I was getting at. So it kind of matters. Like although some people might say like, Oh, it's just a matter of opinion. These, these opinions for us in conversation are just in passing, but in the real world, all these other factors come into play and these things matter. For example, we were just talking about, you know, Lori Laughlin, and like you said, she's getting all this income. So whatever her commitment or her punishment has been might not be as as maybe some other person who is just working their nine to five. For example, this mom from Connecticut, you guys might have heard of it. Um, it happened. I think her conviction happened last year or maybe earlier. Her name was her name is Tanya McDowell, and she lied about the school district that she lived in so that her six-year-old could go to a better school, but she was homeless. So what is her conviction? Five years in jail. So she got five years in jail for sending her son to a better school while these other moms, Lori Laughlin, Felicity Hoffman specifically, got 14 days in prison for paying to have her daughter's SAT scores inflated in what has become, you know, the the college admissions cheating scandal. And although these were different states and although they do differ, there's all these specifics that, for example, Alexis just pointed out that do contribute. So we might think like, oh, um, the prison system, the criminal system looks at everybody fairly, it, it just really depends. These are still just regular people 
having their opinion contribute to someone's life. Tanya McDowell was homeless, and she just wanted her child to go to a better school, it, it, her six-year-old child, and she got sentenced to five years in jail. Like, you know, we should really let that soak in when these other ladies who live in California and who paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to get SATs and admissions, paperwork, falsified, even get one year. Some of them got a couple of weeks. Some of them got a couple of months. It's not, it's very similar, but it's also not the same. It it doesn't make sense. Like, these are the types of things that we really need to pay attention. Who is the real villain here? Is the real villain mom? That's not really, that's not fair. Because if you really, I don't think her five-year sentence is fair. Because think about it. If you live in the United States of America, K through 12, it's guaranteed that you get an education from kindergarten all the way up to high school senior. College is optional, right? It's not it's encouraged, but it's not mandatory by law, right? But the quality of education that you get defers greatly where you live. It's true. Mm-hmm. I've seen it with my own eyes. Like, I grew up going to high school in the city of Alexandria, right? And my academics okay. vary greatly from my cousin who just is over a state over, right? It Mm. qualifies from the honor classes being taught to the books Mm. being taught to the quality of teachers, right? Because if you really honestly Mm -hmm. think about it, we have a lot of areas that are very remote and not a lot of teachers or college graduates want to go to a remote area, right? Uh, we have a lot of inner cities that are riddled with crime where nobody really wants. So what this mother did was she was homeless. So in order mm-hmm. to guarantee her son an education, she fit about a zip code and she got five years. Well, like, you know what? You can make the argument that she wants to ensure her child get the best free education that he can. Because as a mother, as any parent, you want what you never had for your child. You want to encourage mm-hmm. To get the education that you maybe didn't get or the education you know they deserve. But what makes me angry is she got five years for doing mm. something for a six-year-old child that can set up his future while these celebrity parents cheated. I had to work my ass off to study for the SAT. So did my sister. Yeah. So did any other high school junior and senior out there. And here are these privileged children with parents who make bucos of money and think it's perfectly oh. okay to pay somebody to lie about their score. How is that fair? So, like, are you honestly saying that your children are too, well, I don't want to use the word stupid, but didn't try hard enough in high school for their education or they're not hardworking enough to figure out how to study to Improved your scores the average way. So because you think that you make Boku money, it's okay for you to get away with the system while this poor woman over here is homeless but only wants the best for her six-year-old child, yet she suffered five years and you only got a slap on the wrist. 
That is so true. And thank you for sharing that. It's very passionate, but it's it's so true. Some of these some of these things don't equivalent, and they just want. I mean, mothers just want, like you said, what what they didn't have, whatever is better for their children that they weren't able to have in their childhood. So more to come. Let's take a quick, quick news break, and then we'll continue the conversation. In this week's trending news, we are bringing you the usually overlooked state-level ballot initiatives. During this national presidential race, many of us have been focused on who will be the next president of the United States. But let me tell you, there are so many other chess pieces to this board game. For example, did you know that legalizing marijuana is on the ballot in four states? Well, they are. (laughs) And not only that, Oregon has approved Measure 110, which decriminalizes the possession of small amounts of certain drugs including heroin, methamphetamines, and cocaine. More relevant to our conversations on the podcast, California has approved Proposition 17. This proposition restores the right to vote when someone is released from prison and completes their parole. In Kentucky, Amendment 1 passed, adding Constitution protections to existing state guarantees that the victims of their families are consulted and notified at key steps in the criminal justice process. And last but not least, Nebraska and Utah voted yes to pass Amendment 1 and Amendment C, which strips their state's constitutions of the language that says slavery and involuntary servitude is outlawed, except as punishment for crime. So we're removing slavery language from states' constitutions in 2020? Wow, it's 2020. Hmm. I guess this is what we're supposed to say better late than never, right? Okay, okay. Joking aside, there are some propositions that would benefit our currently informally incarcerated brothers and sisters in jail, which were not approved. So let's review those. State Question 805 in Oklahoma, which would prohibit sentence enhancements for most nonviolent crimes, was disproved. Currently, people who have prior felony convictions can face additional prison time, far beyond the maximum punishment for their specific crime. And then we have the undecided, y'all. So, uh, in California, Proposition 20 allows incarcerated people a chance at earlier release to reduce penalties for some low-level crimes. But that's still undecided. Maybe we'll find out by Friday if it's a yes or no. Also, we have Michigan's Proposal 2, which would update existing constitutional protections against warrantless search and seizure to explicitly include electronic data and communications. What does that mean? Basically, a person, data, and communications, a person, house, papers, or position are secure from search without a warrant and a probable cause. Now, it's too late to vote on these items, 
but it is not too late to get educated on them. So jump on over to your Secretary of State's website or just do a web search on your state's propositions, on your state's questions and their amendments. And that is all for now. That is all for this section of Trending News. Have a great day. And we're back. That's right. All these propositions are good news for anyone either getting out of uh, prison, restoring their rights to vote, or decriminalizing and minimizing misdemeanor criminal charges. And this helps because it educates us on how we can, you know, change these these. Uh, contributions and these, um, how would you call them, these misdemeanors, these criminal charges in our own state. If, you know, the state of California, the state of Oregon, the state of Kentucky, these are all, you know, some of these are blue states, some of these are red states. If we can decriminalize some of these nonviolent crimes, then we can pretty much all get on the same page as opposed to having a huge disconnect when it comes to a crime in one state as opposed to another crime in one state. For example, you know, the whole school scandal that we were just talking about. If we enter different um, contributions from these situations, then we can look at them unbiasedly and say, okay, so this person just wanted their family to go to a better school. Yeah, maybe it's a slap on the wrist, maybe it's not, but we have to look at things, of, you know, not just across the board, but we have to look at them as not just villains that committed a crime, but as humans who wanted something better for their children. And that's what, that's what these local state propositions do, is they kind of give you a little bit of a taste of your own opinion being put to action. Who is really at fault here? Why are they at fault? Sure, school is supposed to be free up to a certain age, but, like, what does free really mean? I mean, what do we pay taxes for? What do we go to work every day and get, like, 40% of our, the, of our checks removed for? It's for these schools. It's for these education. We, we need to take advantage of them. And speaking on the topic of propositions and um, villainization, of um, of criminals, we also need to look at, like, the jury of your peers. There's so many situations where attorneys have selected the jury of our peers that are biased. If it's a black man that's going up for some nonviolent crime and they don't have any person that represents all of all of person's specifics, like there's no men or there's no black men or there's no black persons or there's no one of a middle or lower class on that jury, it's going to be very difficult for you to see that person that's been charged with a crime as just a regular human. You might see them as maybe a bad guy. And that's a problem. That's a problem because you're supposed to be judged by a jury of your peers. How many times have we said 
something wrong or we've done something wrong and we've gotten in trouble for it. You know, that happens like every day. But what if it were to happen in a court of law? What if you were to get in a fight and someone were to, you know, take it higher? What if you were to accidentally walk out of the store with something in your bag that you didn't know? Maybe your kid put it there. Maybe you have idle hands. These are all things that don't necessarily, you know, warrant for a huge crime, a huge punishment. But depending on the jury of your peers and how they see you, that could make a huge lifetime of a difference in prison or not. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, please. It is true that we are judged by a, uh, by a jury of our peers, but the real villain here is definitely the system. Because think about mm. it this way, right? Mm. There are a lot of people who cannot afford a good attorney. Not to say mm. that everybody who goes to law school is a bad attorney unless you made a big name for yourself or you work at a big firm. But think about it. The bigger the firm, the more famous the firm, the more buku bucks those lawyers make per hour. And not everybody can afford to pay those buku bucks. So let's just say if you are arrested, it is a guaranteed right that you get representation if you cannot afford it, right? But at times, it depends on that reputation uh, or that representation, right? So when it's time to select a jury, right, it Mm. depends on the prosecutor and it depends on your attorney to pick your jury of peers, right? And you kind of, it's like hit or miss. So clearly, the jury, the the prosecutor side is want to stack the jury with people that are going to vote for them, and it's your and it's the defendant's attorney's job to stack the jury with people who are going to side with them. But that that's not the only element. A lot of times, you have to meet in the middle, right? So at times, if you don't have good enough representation, right? And if the jury is full of people who can't relate to you as a defendant, it's that the case that much against you, especially in a nonviolent crime. Like, for example, if you were a black person, right, a person of color, mm-hmm. and you stole something from a store, but you didn't use a weapon, you didn't harm anybody, but you did it in a predominantly white neighborhood, right? So if you were arrested and for whatever reason on your jury, there isn't anybody who came from your background or is a person of color or is a person uh, who makes lower than the average income of the area where you live and such like that, that starts against you. Because if people don't understand where you come from or people cannot connect with you, then that makes it that much harder to win. Because all it takes is one juror, right, 
to say not guilty. And then they have to sit there and figure out whether it's going to be a mistrial or not. So that's the problem. The problem is the system. And the problem is not everybody gets equal representation. Because if you make Boku bucks, you can afford a high-priced attorney. But if you don't make Boku bucks and you're, rela- and you're relying on free representation, that attorney has other cases to work on, right? So, like, a lot of times, believe it or not, you're thrown in front of a judge, and it's time for you to plead guilty or not guilty, and you haven't even met with an attorney yet, and some attorney just walks into the court and says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm late. I'm here representing, uh, what's your name? They know nothing about your case. They know nothing about your situation. You are you haven't even been advised of your rights yet, and yet here you are. You're supposed to say guilty or not guilty. Does do you even know what that means? Do you really know what pleading guilty means? Do you really know what pleading not guilty means? A lot of people, believe it or not, they commit crimes, right? And when somebody asks them, "Are you guilty of it?" before they even realize anything, they say guilty. But guilty. Right, you're admitting to do uh, doing something wrong, and if you did something wrong, all it takes is guilty, and then you're not going to get a jury of your peers. If you admit guilty, you're either going to jail or the judge is going to decide your fate. And a lot of people don't understand their rights. They don't understand that they need to be quiet when they are arrested because anything they say will be used against them in a court of law. How many people do you think really understand that? Hmm. So true. So if you take nothing from all this conversation that we've had, definitely, definitely take those those words into account that Alexis just said. Is if you're stopped, if you're asked anything in which uh, you might be um, conflicted by a specific police officer or a detective, please assist. The fifth. What does that mean? Just stay silent. And stay anything. silent. And I'm sorry. Go ahead. Don't say because, like, here's the thing, right? I don't think people are out there who purposely want to trip you up, right? I don't really think mm. so. I don't think that's the intention. But I think a lot of people, when they're questioned, they don't really understand what the question really means. So they just answer it a specific way, right? And if you don't really understand what is being asked of you, right, then you're Mm -hmm. definitely going, you're just thinking you're answering a question. But in your answer might lie a clue or something that can hurt you in the long run. So my advice to you, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything, not until you get an attorney of any level that can really explain your rights. And if you feel your attorney is not explaining your rights, you have the right to ask for a different one. That's right. Don't just sit there and take the 
presentation they're going to give you, ask for another attorney. Just tell the judge, excuse me, sir, I don't feel like I'm being represented. My attorney did not explain my rights or something like that. Because if they didn't explain your rights and stuff like that, you could end up getting locked up away for something that really you shouldn't have been locked up for a specific amount of time. Or if you really honestly didn't do something and they keep on pounding you with questions and questions and questions and you make a mistake of saying something that can be used against you in the court of law, that's it. You just confess to something that you didn't even do. Mm-hmm. My advice, plead the fifth. Just say, I plead the fifth, or just don't say anything. If you don't say mm-hmm. anything, they can't, they can't accuse you of saying anything, right? Sorry, oh, true. not saying yeah. anything. Nope. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, you are 100% correct. Again, if you guys don't take anything from what we say, definitely, definitely take that sound advice. That's some stage advice right there. Silence is key. And if you need some real-life examples of this, we can also look and discuss the, the bailout. Look at what happened in the early 2000s with, this huge like Wall Street corruption where there was all of these um, investors using people's pension for their own benefit. There were, I mean, that's where we got the Ponzi scheme term from, right? Is where these investors were using private funds that they were supposed to be investing. So people's pensions, firefighters' pensions, school teachers' pensions, that they worked for 10, 20, some, a lot more years. They, they've been saving, and then these guys, you know, just took their pensions with these people's trust and just spent it at their will. And then what happened? They didn't say they were guilty of it. They didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, we um, just, we spent the funds. No, they stayed quiet. And what did the government do? They bailed them out. That's a huge, huge example of uh, something that went astray, but a great example of how staying quiet benefits the individual. And getting back to the, the subject at hand, that's another way of deciding who is really the bad person in these situations. It's not always just the titles that you're giving by the prosecutor, because in that instance, those people took everybody's money. They were proven innocent. They were given bailouts. They were helped whenever they took advantage of vulnerable people. So just because you're labeled a certain title by someone saying that you're innocent doesn't necessarily always mean you are innocent. We have to look at these convictions very carefully, and we have to help our peers out. We have to really kind of comb through these topics with a fine-toothed comb and find out who does this really affect. Okay, this person is going to prison for 15 years because they're, you know, a three-strike rule offender in California for nonviolent crimes. But then we have this other man in the Northeast somewhere that has a corrupt banking practices and stole one to two million dollars from 
hardworking people who trusted him with their money. Like, who is the villain here? And why is one of them getting 15 years and the other person maybe just getting a fine? It doesn't make sense. We have to really evaluate, I think, who we're calling the bad guys in these situations. That's why we have to vote. That's why we have to educate ourselves. That's why we have to look at these propositions and be like, all right, um, should prisoners vote after they, they come out of imprisonment, after they're released from incarceration? Yes, of course they should vote. Prison system is supposed to be done for what? For reform, not just to keep kind of this black cloud lingering over you saying, oh, he did something wrong, she did something wrong, they're, they're bad people. They're not bad people. These people are still our mothers, they're still our fathers, they're our sisters. At some point in their life, they were just a regular child, or they were just someone's loved one. And just because they did something wrong, or because someone told you they did something wrong, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people. How many, I mean, how many times have we heard of wrongfully incarcerated people it's coming up i feel like more frequently than ever nowadays and sometimes these people that are wrongfully incarcerated a lot of the times they can't admit that they didn't commit the crime a lot of states have this clause where they'll release you from prison but they can't say that you were innocent because then they would have to pay you for all of that time lost. And that's very expensive. It's unfair, but those are the causes that, you know, we need to get rid of in these states. Like, oh, well, yeah, we'll let you free forever, but you just have to say that you were guilty and just sign this paperwork. A lot of the times, you know, we're put against the wall like that and we'll just sign the paper and say, okay, we were guilty, but I just want to go home. I don't want to do a life term in prison. But those those titles, you know, those those comments, those that type of label whenever you get out of prison, it still lingers with you. And even though you try and plead your case to your family or to your peers or to your friends, they're like, well, you still admit it, you were guilty. Like, there's so many other levels, like we've been talking about. It's not just a yes or no, a good or bad uh, you know, a bad guy or a good guy. There's so many other levels to these convictions. It's, it's not so black and so white. And that's just something that we have to really, really be aware of. One other thing yeah. I really wanted to... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, can I share something really quickly? Please, please, please. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that I do believe that a lot of times it's not easy to name somebody the villain, right? Because I had a situation where I remembered when I was in high school, I faced a situation where I got got into a verbal argument with a student who was a friend of mine, and he and I weren't getting along. Then something of his happened to go missing, and obviously it was asked, well, who do you think um, did it, or who do you think who are uh, who do you think did it? And for whatever reason, he named me because he wanted to paint what? me the villain. Yes, he painted oh. me as the villain. 
And, like, the next thing I know, I'm getting dragged out into class thanks to the 12th grade level principal at the time, even though I was a a sophomore at the time. And, like, I was getting hounded. They literally was like, okay, you're the only one that he isn't getting along with. You're the only one who... Um, has a vendetta, so you know it will go a lot faster and easier for you if you just gave it back. And I'm like, give what back? And they were like, oh, um, his backpack was found in the ladies' bathroom, and by the time it was given back, certain items were missing, like his CD player and stuff like that. I was like, I didn't take his CD player. Blah 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 blah. And like, oh my god, they had a police officer stand there. Like, the police was there, and, like, he grabbed my backpack, and he went through my backpack. He said, is this your CD player to the student? He was like, no. I was like, that's my CD player. He just, like, I can remember, like, them looking at me, like, saying, well, a CD player is missing, and then you happen to have one. So they automatically said that you might, you took it, right? I was like, I didn't take mm-hmm. anything, and I'm getting highly upset, right? And so finally, the other student was allowed to go back to class and here I am I have this like this police officers they're saying like you know I'm gonna dust um the backpack for uh fingerprints and if your fingerprints are found you're gonna be in a lot of trouble young lady so it's gonna be easier for you if you just admit that you took it and just give it back if you give it back I promise nothing is gonna happen it's just gonna be chalked up as to one of those pranks he was like really scared me telling me to confess to something that I did not do I didn't do it. Jeez. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't take his CD player or anything like that. And here they are trying to paint me the bad guy, right? Because uh-huh. I happened to get into a verbal altercation with this person, and all of a sudden I'm painted the villain, and I'm being uh-huh. trying to be coerced into saying something. So you want to know what saved uh-huh. my butt? What saved my butt was I was defeated. I knew my rights. I knew my rights to cut out. And I need to say a single word. So I asked for a phone call, right? And they're like, who are you going to call? And I was like, I'm going to call my attorney. (laughs) Good. They're looking at me. Here's a 15-year-old who literally says she's going to call her attorney. They're like, how are you going to even call her attorney? So so they thought I was going to call one of my friends. But no, my situation had me, uh, uh, I, I was a part of the, so I had an attorney represent me, and she told me I can call her whenever I was in trouble, so that's exactly what I did. I called her, and I called her office, I identified myself, I said it was a true emergency, they went and pulled her out of the meeting, and she got on the uh. phone, and she asked me what happened, I told her point blank, and she said, did you say anything? I said, no, I didn't do it, and then she goes, who questioned you? And when I mentioned the police officer, she said, you stay right there. Do not say a word until I get there. Mm. And she said, put the person in charge, your your principal, right back on. So basically, I handed the phone back, and they thought it was going to be a joke. If a person of color could lose color. Mm. When that principal got his phone back and he addressed the cell and he realized that I really did call an attorney that 
I was not playing around. You are not going to make me confess to something I did not do. So basically, long story short, they were in a lot of trouble. Can't question a minor without a guardian or a parent. I'm only 15. I'm under 18. Can't question me. Can't. Can't talk to me without the permission of my guardian. My guardian sure as hell didn't give her permission because she wasn't even informed. Mm. So let's just say that by the time they found my aunt, by the time my aunt got to the school with the attorney, it was a huge to-do, and I missed my English midterm, which I threw a fit about. (laughs) <laughs> because I actually studied for that test. But like I said, the villain in this case happened to be me. And, like, they basically tried to paint the villain, which is why I said I don't really like the term villain because a lot of times people really didn't do anything, and it depends on the circumstance because in that room, I really honestly felt alone because here they are promising me the world, saying, okay, okay, Alexis, if you just give him back his CD player, or okay, Alexis, if you just say that you put his backpack mm. in the girl's bathroom and you had nothing to do with it, they're like, okay, we're not going to get you in trouble. They won't dust for fingerprints. He literally told me he was going to dust for fingerprints, and if my fingerprints were found on the backpack, I would be in trouble. Oh, my God. So stupid. <laughs> but it's so crazy. That's insane. But that's exactly what happens. Like, you're right. Thank you for sharing that story. That's exactly what happens day to day. And I'm so grateful you had someone to call. You have like a good support system or a well enough support system to stand by your side because that's what we need. We can't just be going around labeling people these things because we think they did something wrong or because we think or we have a hunch that they don't like us or they're the bad person or whatever. Like that's exactly what this conversation is about. We can't just be stripping people of human rights because we think or our opinion or society tells us that they did something wrong. Like that's, that's insane. I like, I'm not sure how else to express it, but look at these examples. These are like actual real world examples even right now as we live in 2020 we just are stripping our certain amendments from our state's constitutions if you guys paid attention during the trending news uh, comments um oklahoma i think it was nebraska and oklahoma uh recently stripped their slavery clause from their amendment it's 2020 I think in 2018, Colorado recently stripped a slavery clause from their constitution. Like, these are not the times to be doing those things. Like, it's great that this happened, but these are the times that those, that we shouldn't have any of these comments in our constitutions, in any of our legislature. Those should, those times should be long gone. Another injustice to our human rights is we have prisoners paying for their medical care. Like, is, is that not kind of a strange thing? I mean, prisoners have to pay 3 to $8 depending on the state that they live in. So you're telling me these people are bad people, so they don't, you know, they, they deserve medical care, but at a small cost. 
Well, most of them should get it at the free cost. Why are they having to pay $3 and $8? So some prisoners were questioned in the Connecticut Department of Corrections and said one person was quoted as a, we didn't want the lack of funds to be a reason. Actually, I'm sorry, this is by the public information officer of the prison system. Um, they said, we didn't want the lack of funds to be a reason offenders were denied medical treatment, especially during the pandemic. So in Kinetic specifically, they're waiving these fees. That's a very simple thing to do. We pay taxes. You know, we most of us pay taxes. I know there's a small 1% that gets away with not paying taxes, but most of us pay taxes. And most of us should really, really take into account who we're labeling as bad people because they still need medical aid. This is a pandemic, and a lot of these prisoners share sales with other prisoners or share spaces with not just other prisoners, but guards, office staff, therapists. Everyone has to kind of live in this sort of enclosed ecosystem for a large amount of hours of the day. We should not strip them of their humanity, not just for their sake, but for everyone's sake. You know, if it's not one of your loved ones that's in there, it's definitely other people that work in there. And beyond that, we've been talking about labeling these people as bad guys, right, as villains. But who really does that? I mean, who really labels them, these these titles? It's a matter of opinion, right? So we need to kind of take a broader stance, I think, and and just look at the core problem. Okay, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Regardless of whether this person, in my opinion, is did something wrong or didn't do something wrong, we should at least give them, like, the human decency to get medical care or to get a treatment during the pandemic and wave these seats. Some of these guys and girls, right, some of these people that are incarcerated don't have 5 to $8 to just throw away because that's how they that's see it, right? They're like, oh, okay. That's actually Go kind ahead. of ridiculous that they do have to pay yeah. because if you're in prison and if you didn't have a prison job, how are you supposed to afford your care? Like, see, the word villain here is, like, so interesting because, like I said earlier, it is a matter of opinion. But while I understand we have a criminal system to punish those who committed crimes, and, yes, I'm not saying that people who commit crimes deserve a pass because some crimes are heinous, like murder, rape, And, like, you know, things like that. Yes, I deserve, I believe you need to be locked up in a hole somewhere far, 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 far away, right? But still get treated (laughs) with dignity, not abused or anything like that, all right? In a perfect Hmm. world, I see murderers and rapists and people who commit crimes like that should be punished by the family of the victim because I'm sure the victim's family can do a lot more damage than sitting in the jail cell mm-hmm. could. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion, right? But here's the thing that I find kind of comical. What I find comical is here in America, we 
get to determine who goes to jail and who doesn't. Uh But a lot Mm -hmm. of people here, it's a matter of opinion. If they don't connect with you, if they don't like you, if they have a grudge of some sort towards your ethnicity, they're just going to vote against you just because they can. Mm -hmm. And in Mm -hmm. a way, that's unfair for the person who might not truly deserve to go to jail for their their crime, right? And like, Mm -hmm. for example, if somebody went to jail for prostitution, who are they hurting? They're not hurting anybody, right? But then you're going to punish them because society deems prostitution as bad. Well, I hate to put it this way. Mm -hmm. If men were to keep their area <laughs> and didn't have a need for prostitution, would they really be prostitutes on the streets? Let's just be 100% honest. When it comes to prostitution, yeah. it's about supply and demand, okay? If there's mm. a customer out there demanding prostitution or in a way pleasure in exchange for money is the best way I'm going to put it, right? If nobody was putting their money out saying, okay, I'm agreeing to pay you for what you provide me back in pleasure. If men and or women did not were not willing to pay, there were there wouldn't be prostitutes. But yeah, here's the funny part. The guy who's paying the prostitute mm. for her time, right, essentially gets a slap on the wrist and she goes to jail because she's a prostitute because society doesn't deem her Well, like, how else is she supposed to put food on the table, put clothes on her back, put a roof over her head? Because everybody's going to do what they need to do to survive, right? And I hate to put it this way, but the selling of one's body, whether it's male or female, if that's all you have left and you're starving enough and somebody goes, hey, like, you know, you're starving and stuff like that, but I'm willing to pay you $20 if you give me a blowjob, you really honestly think that woman is going to say, no, that's $20 that can feed her a meal or two meals depending how frugal she is. So who are we to judge somebody who we don't understand a mile in their shoes because we're not in that predicament. The only person who can really understand her predicament is a fellow prostitute. But how many times is there going to be a fellow prostitute on that jury? You're going to have a jury of men who basically understand the need for sex, and you're going to have a jury full of women who look at her and say, I cannot believe you just sold your body. So true. Dang, Alexis, thank you for all of your passionate comments. Very so true. That is so true. Some of these crimes, I mean, are they really crimes? Uh, are they? That's, I mean, whenever you come and you really talk about, like, the humanization of people, is this really what we're locking people up for decades for as opposed to others that are maybe doing worse? Well, this brings a lot of the system that's the villain. It's the system mm-hmm. that's the, the villain. It's not the person committing the crime, mm. right? It's not the person prosecuting the person for the crime. It's the system because the system says prostitution is wrong. Well, come on, let's be honest. Even senators and people in power 
have escorts yes. and <laughs> pay for sex. Okay, let's just be one hundred percent honest. It's all about supply and demand, but these women and men are being uh, Mm. have the rest of their lives ruined because, Mm. like you know, they just happen to do something society doesn't deem fit. But yeah, Mm. ironies of all ironies, somebody in power who commits a crime, a light crime, right? Let's just say use a fake ID or something like that. They're probably just going to get a slap on the wrist, which is why I say the true villain here is the system. The system in what gets to deem what is a crime, what isn't a crime. Times have changed, okay? Times have changed. Mm -hmm. I really don't it's a crime. I don't think the business of escorting is a crime. If it's all done willingly, nobody like was held at a gunpoint, nobody was kidnapped, there are no nobody under the age of 18 and stuff like that, and mm. everybody is of legal age and is consenting. If a woman or a man chooses to sell his or her body to put food on the table to provide for themselves, how is that a crime? Who are we to judge them for that? Because if there wasn't a demand for it, there wouldn't be any supply. Uh-huh. So maybe the system should change where it says people who decide to do that, it's not a crime. Or maybe society should change and just tell men to keep it in their pants. If men actually <laughs> kept it in their pants and there was no demand, then there would be no prostitutes and escorts couldn't make any money but the reality of it is they're always going to be prostitutes and they're always going to make money because there's somebody out there willing to pay for it so either the system the villain has to change where it says this is no longer a crime or the villain in this case or you're going to shift the villain to the person paying for it and just say yo keep it in your pants men or women right I'm not just saying men are the one paying for it because women do it too so whoever's paying for it is uh-huh. either two villains it's either the system needs to change and say this isn't a crime or it's going to change the villain to the person who's offering the money because the person who is supplying yes they did they did something wrong but is it really wrong is it wrong because Mm-hmm. They really did something wrong, or is it wrong because it's your matter of opinion that you say it's wrong because it's your opinion that it's wrong? Mhm, mhm. No, I completely They're agree. They're not hurting the anybody. Right, I completely agree. The system is a villain, and we can change that. We can change that. It's going to take some time, but definitely starting with those amendments, those propositions, those questions in your state bills. That's a good. That's a good little start. And, you know, Alexis, you mentioned something earlier, not just, you know, your personal story about when you were a teen and you got, you know, in this very strange predicament where you were almost accused of a crime. But we also, you mentioned something about uh, underage people. And a lot of the times, you know, we have teens being convicted and being questioned without the permission of a guardian. And that's very interesting you mentioned that because that's going to be our topic of discussion next week. And I'm very excited to talk about that because there are a lot of, like in the history of the United States, there's been children, not just teens, like adolescents and children that have been sentenced to crime 
have been sentenced to prison. So stick around for that. I do want to thank everybody for listening, and thank you so much, Alexis. It was so beautiful having this conversation with you. I love your passion. It's always so contagious to hear someone May I say so honestly and from the heart. Yeah, please, please, please. Go ahead. To everyone who's listening to this podcast, if you happen to be uh, under 18, may I suggest shut up, don't say anything, they can't question you without your parent, can't question you without a guardian. If I were you, I would just keep my lips shut. So if they call you to the principal's office and accuse you of something, tell them to call your parents. Like, in all honesty, just tell them. Call your parents. Like that is what you have a parent for. Because I was smart enough to call the person, but in all honesty, if I did not have that particular person in my life, I would have called my aunt. I'll be like, okay, I'm calling my aunt, and I'm gonna tell her, and then let her deal with them. I didn't do anything. You're a child. If you didn't do anything in that case, just be quiet and don't say anything. But to everybody else who's listening to, know you're right. Plead the fifth. Do not say anything because it is said in your Miranda rights that anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Keep it zip. Keep it zip. Don't say anything. Can't accuse you of saying or doing anything if you didn't say anything. So true. That is so true. This is such a simple statement, but so true. You can't be accused of anything. If you don't provide anything, if you don't provide any insight, if you don't say one word. So just in closing, I do want to kind of gear everybody up for next week. Those are the topics that we're going to be talking about. Children and teens in correction facilities, in prisons, in the past, the present, and how will it look in the future? So as we've been repeating, more specifically Alexis, you know, the system is a true villain here. So what do we do? Well, I think we as a community, we have to do better at emphasizing with those that society or someone else labeled as like the villain or like the bad person or just as like the other, you know, how many people have we heard of overturned convictions due to incorrect convictions? You know, too many people go to prison often for far too long for low level and nonviolent crimes. People who break the law should definitely be held accountable, but, the punishment should fit the crime. And that's where we as a community come in. So I'll just let y'all contemplate on that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us this week. And we will chat with y'all next. And take some time out for yourself. It's been a heavy week. And there's a couple more days of this tension lingering around us before we know what the true outcome of the national presidential race is. So just take some time. Go to your Zen place and visit us next week. Thanks, y'all. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Take 411. To stay connected with us, please subscribe in the link below to our website, add your email address, and get all types of updates and information about what happens in the world every single day. Until the next time, remember, together we can.